Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a change in the program tonight. The part of Jonathan will now be played by the Persona 5 original soundtrack. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> God, I fucking... Dude, School Days is like an obscenely good song. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we stare at the back of balding dudes' heads. I'm Douglas and with me as always is my co-host Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm Flemmy. A bit flammy. A bit flammy. Like, uh, you are going to have the worst editing time getting rid of all of my fucking going, sniffles. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Cut that out. Edit that bit out. They didn't hear that noise that I just made. Don't I'll, leave it in. I'll put it in sounds disgusting. I'll put in something else. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020 and have begun watching them from number 250 through to number 1. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 182, Stalker. Stalker is the name given to people who make their living exploring and guiding people through the zone, a mysterious cordon location where the laws of physics and reality bend and warp. Our story follows one such stalker as he leads a writer and a scholar to a hidden room that is said to grant any wish your heart may desire. Our story follows one such stalker. Try saying that ten times fast. Stalker is written and directed by Andre Tarkovsky, who we have had uh, previously on the 250 for Andre Rublev, and we will have him upcoming for uh, Solaris. I don't think the mirror is on there, but definitely Solaris. Um, and Stalker itself is based on the novel by... Arkady, the 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 uh, Arkady and Boris, who are the uh, Strigatsky brothers. <laughs> so Douglas went, at, but when we were prepping for this, Douglas went, "I don't even know how to say these guys because I'm not going to be the one saying it." And I don't know. <laughs> and then how... I forgot about the summary, and then that's that's the delegation yeah. falls upon yeah. me. So. In, I was well. I'm glad that you said it because I forgot to look it up. <laughs> in truth, I'm the fool. Uh, the the Strigatsky brothers, which is what I'm just going to call them, uh, wrote Roadside Picnic, which is a sci-fi novel that uh, Stalker is. I I'm assuming loosely based on. Neither Jonathan nor I have watched this film before. No. Um. So this has I haven't watched it before, but it's been on my list for. Four years, maybe. I remember the- when we started the list and you, you were like mm. flicking through, like we were both flicking through and we were like, oh, I really wanted it. X, Y, Z. Stalker was a big one on your list. You were like, oh, fuck, Stalker. Right. Hell yeah. So the concept with the the roadside picnic, I've, I've had practice explaining this to people. The <laughs> idea is, and I mean, there's also a pretty good metaphor given by the writers on their Wikipedia page. And their, their explanation is basically... Um, if you go on a roadside picnic, you go on, you take some things, you leave some things. You might leave, say, um, a dirty napkin and a cigarette lighter that you forgot and some scraps of food and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, you know, you all know what that is. That's totally fine. That's pretty benign as far as you're concerned. But to the woodland creatures that stumble across this, these are completely alien things and some of them might be good and some of them might be dangerous and that kind of thing. And the idea with Stalker, also rather the idea with Roadside Picnic, is 
aliens have basically done the same thing. They have alighted at several locations around the Earth. Just had a cheeky little fucking picnic on Earth, left some random shit, and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't think it's literally supposed to be a roadside picnic, but they've yeah. just left things behind the, as a um, side effect of them being there. What is it called? And the allegory of the... the, the... No, what is you know it? What? When, I when actually don't the know the... I don't know the hard dictionary definition of allegory, but I'm going to say yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> allegory <laughs> definition. Yeah. The representation of extract, abstract ideas or principles by characters, figures, or events in narrative, dramatic, or pictorial form. So, yeah, checks out. Sure. Story, picture, or play employing such representation. So, yeah, it's an allegory. Um, and I think, by extension, the film does cut pretty closely to that that thing yeah i think mm. i think all of them do it, it's, a, it's a fairly nebulous idea and the book i believe is oh what's the word it's a bunch of small stories and i think they're following the same guy throughout his life i should know i've been talking about anthologies like a bunch recently and yeah I, anthologies I are cool the, i can never remember the what, wild what, tales uh, was an anthology exactly Go check that yeah one out. that's the anthology i've been talking about yeah <laughs> Anyway, uh, yes, I believe that was anthological and it was a one guy, as he kind of similar to is implied for our character in this film, kind of that's his job and he comes in and out of the zone and uh, sometimes goes like swears off it for good and then he sort of just goes back because uh, he can't resist the... Mm. The draw of it. Yeah, I would say the the allure of the unknown, I think, is uh, something that's very exciting that is explored through throughout the film, honestly. Yeah. Um, mm. there's, I wasn't expecting there to be such a strong philosophical and psychological aspect to this because you look at the poster and you're like, this is going to be sci-fi as fuck. Like, there's going to be <laughs> aliens and there's going to be, like, space stuff and there's going to be, like... It sets up that kind of a premise in your head, but there is everything but that, really. Mm. Um, with which, having seen Andre Rublev, doesn't surprise me in the slightest, because um, mm. I I think I'm beginning to understand what Tarkovsky was trying to get across with his work. Um, the more we watch of Tarkovsky's uh, filmography, I'm beginning to yeah get a stronger understanding of what he was going for and that is another thing i would like to point out is that this film is absolutely not for everyone i was uh walking around and uh i was i was walking around to go get some groceries and i was like let's throw on a let's see what other podcasts people have done of 1979 stalker to just you know broaden my opinion see what other people are saying and i found a podcast that was done in back of july 2020 and they had there were two American gentlemen and they had the most polarizing different opinions, but it was very clear that one person preferred from like their whole speech pattern, their personality, everything. One person preferred not to think like they're just action movie kind of a guy, right? Like if it doesn't, if it's got, you know, good plot, good imagery, sure. That's nice. Those are good things to have. But if it doesn't have something that's, engaging if it feels like it's taking too long if it's gonna i'm sitting here for three hours you know they hate it but the other guy was like super here he was ready to fucking 
strap on the the tinfoil hat and start thinking and be fucking aristotle for the next three hours he was he was here for it so it was just it was very interesting to see those two different opinions because i agree this film absolutely isn't for everyone not everyone is going to want to sit around for two hours and 40 minutes and stare at these wild gorgeous and i think very talented shots and cinematography they are incredibly long and not everyone is going to like that style of cinematography because they're going to feel the blood thinning in their veins they're going to uh it's you know (laughs) it's a bit of an arduous process for some people so i have two questions for you douglas go ahead uh number one did you like the film i did i loved it but that's because i'm an arts kid so i well that ties perfectly into number two question two okay how much of that (laughs) podcast do you remember because i think we're about to recreate yeah (laughs) all right fantastic you hate it um i think hate is a strong word okay because the other guy hated it he was like i i I would put this movie outside and blast it to pieces if i could i found it boring and pretentious sure (laughs) i didn't hate it Mm. it comes across as very high art you know yeah and like i i'm really i'm really having like a moment with i don't want to get too deeply into the maybe i'll talk about it after the spoilers about Mm. the very specific themes that kind of cheesed me off okay um the, yeah it's it's slow and uh you know he's spending a lot of time in conversation which isn't also not necessarily a bad thing not a lot I of time think- in dialogue there's there's much there's a greater amounts of silence than there are well that's true dialogue that's um, true but uh it's also a two and a half hour movie so. exactly and a lot, I think what rubbed or rubs a lot of people the wrong way with this film is, as I said, the, uh, uh, I was going to save this for the trivia, but it makes sense to include it here. The film contains 142 shots in 163 minutes um, with an average shot length of more than one minute and many shots lasting for more than four minutes. So yeah, okay. when you're filming in that sort of a style, and especially with how long the film is already, you're going to make a lot of people go, like, checking their watches, going, like, is time stopped? What's happening? (laughs) Um, But I like that because, for me, it's... I I feel more like I'm in the character's shoes. I get... my, My mind is allowed to wander a little bit more. It's not, like that rapid montage-y kind of an editing style. It's much more you get to really drink in the atmosphere of every frame in every shot. And uh, when I tell you the uh, production hell that this film went through, it uh, really makes the, the, the achievement all the more astounding, really. Um, The fact that that it is how it is. Did that happen with Andre Rublev as well? I believe Andre Rublev was in a relatively hellish, pre-production phase this one has a much more hellish post-production phase than it does pre-production okay uh i will i i I just want to touch on this because you did mention it in uh when you were chatting before yep um about the ability to explore 
frames of thought within sci-fi and that kind of thing. Yep. And I think that's sci-fi in general. This film is much less sci-fi, though, than I think perhaps even Roadside Picnic or any sci-fi film I've really watched before. Like, in a in a classical sense, you know? Mm. Like, it doesn't... It doesn't ever reveal anything. I can compare yeah. this film very closely to Annihilation, which we have talked about on the mm. podcast before. You love Annihilation. I'm sure you're going to make the same comparison, have a quick little chinwag about that. But Annihilation, there is... There's tangible payoff and things there, which I think is why perhaps you prefer Annihilation over this, is Stalker doesn't quite have as much sci-fi payoff, you know? Like, there's <laughs> no there's no great big... I mean, like, spoilers, whatever. There's no great big baddie behind the curtain. There's no Wizard of Oz. It's just a very philosophical, thought-provoking experience. I think it's very meandery. Uh, in a way, compared to... I feel like Annihilation was a bit more focused on the themes. Yeah. Like, yep. I think the themes are more obvious. And they go, like... They sort of... You know, they're not very explicit about it, but they... You get a picture of what's sort of being said. And Annihilation has action. Film. And there are pretty good stakes. Mm. And I guess... Yeah, action and spectacle, I think, ties into more of Annihilation. And Stalker focuses much more on poetry behind the lens of the camera tarkovsky's dad was a poet so Mm. um i think there was a quote that tarkovsky said where um all you need to be a poet is a pen and paper to be a director or a someone who makes film a filmmaker you need money you need a budget you need people yeah and Mm. that's hellish like that's a lot of work so anyone who is a filmmaker should be applauded for the fact that they are they are working to paint or project or uh, tell a story that they want to tell um so i mean not everyone you know there's some fucking weird smart shit that's out there that you know (laughs) the world could probably do without but I think there's a lot of art to some smart Douglas, all right? You reckon? Yeah, some very... Well, I don't know. Coming up in one of the bonus episodes, ladies and gentlemen, the 254 yeah, tackles yeah. smut film. Let's go. Two girls, one cop. <laughs> <laughs> Our next bonus episode. It's uh, a short one. Yeah, I think I think this is not even worth going into too deeply, but the, the kind of like ex-punk, like your cyberpunks and your steampunks, and this is more of a post-apocalyptic sci-fi sort of blend but those are always you sort of pull people away from reality and that lets you explore everything else that kind of comes up in the background uh, yep. so i think but I do think you think this is, film sets itself too heavily in reality and it doesn't quite go the full mile into sci-fi is that your problem perhaps? i think that's one of my complaints and i think i did come into this with bad expectations because I know I haven't actually played them but I do know a lot about the Stalker video games Mm. and they are closer to Annihilation conceptually and they also have the benefit you know you gotta be you gotta be shooting something (laughs) yeah and both both Annihilation and the Stalker video games have the benefit of being made in the 21st century yeah with with all this uh, for starters you you have a lot of a modern sci-fi which you can sort of then reflect back onto it and that 
sort of just gives you an idea of stuff that is visually cool and 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 intriguing in and of itself but it also just the special effects the capacity to do special effects something like annihilation is like years beyond well i mean stalker is this it's very muted and i wonder how in your face the the stuff in the books are mm. But, Allegedly, the sci-fi elements were toned down a lot because Tarkovsky yeah. wasn't a big fan of sci-fi to start with. Um, right, okay. He said that, uh, I think there's a quote of him somewhere saying that he thought they came off as very comic booky and were just vulgar commercialism, basically. Right. Um, but in, I would say, a retort to that comment that you're saying that, you know, it's uh, the Annihilation and such and so forth have the ability of... CGI and you know the uh, being able to focus more on an action kind of a spectacle mm. different films obviously different genres different themes that they're trying to portray etc cetera, etc cetera. the first Star Wars film was done two years prior to Stalker is that more of a budget <laughs> that's Could a good be. point I hadn't even, th- I hadn't even thought about Could that be. but uh, if we're talking like I think Tarkovsky could have done Spectacle if he wanted to you know mm. what I mean, but as I said, he doesn't like he doesn't like sci-fi spectacle. He, he yeah. <laughs> I think Tarkovsky is setting out to create films that aren't meant to entertain you; they're meant to engross you. And okay. I think I'm I'm okay with you not enjoying Stalker, you know. And I'm I'm happily going, yeah, Stalker, good time. And I'm okay with anyone who doesn't enjoy Stalker because I'm like, fuck it, you watched it, you experienced it, right? Like mm. nothing ventured, nothing gained, you know. Mm. Um, I, I, I just felt like it needed like a tiny bit more to sell it because it was very lo-fi and... I love that. I thought you would have loved that. I thought you would have loved the whole minimalist, grungy kind of a atmosphere to it. The, the concept that there's these tainted zones with weird alien shit in them is just not... So I... And... and Help me add to the list, Douglas, if you've got them. But all I have from, like, the weird things is you have the... Jonathan, please stop the spoiling the movie. Going towards that yep. Uh, spoilers. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should leave this to the spoilers. Yeah, maybe, maybe Douglas, for the spoilers. Okay. Well, we're at, what, 18 yeah, and a half minutes? Yeah, 18-ish something minutes. Let's, let's, let's wrap this up. I would recommend this film, but I would definitely not recommend it if you are... If you get pissed off when the film is being slow. Because there are some, there are definitely some scenes and like uh, moments where I'm like, wow, people absolutely would have tuned out of this by now. But there's this fantastic quote again from, I hate to quote Tarkovsky so much. I sound like such a twat, but (laughs) there was a official for a government group, otherwise known as the State Committee for Cinematography, uh, that were very critical of the film. Um, Mm. And... uh, Someone said that Stalker should be faster and more dynamic, as perhaps some of your gripes go. Um, to which Tarkovsky replied, uh, quote, The film needs to be slower and duller at the start so that the viewers who walked into the wrong theatre have time to leave before the main action starts. <laughs> I, I, that's the thing. I didn't want an action film. I, you could... You, like, you could maybe... I just needed just a tiny bit more to sell it, you know, and maybe a little quicker, but like, it doesn't need to be that much more uh, and, and like a little more focus. 
that that was a thing. It, it wasn't. I wasn't looking for annihilation here. Uh, I wouldn't have said no if I'd got more annihilation, you, but mm. but that's not explicitly what I was looking for. It was just a little too meandering, you know, a little too Andre Rublev, which is a film. <laughs> so so Stalker, I'm like, it was fine, not really my cup of tea. Andre Rublev fucking hate that movie yeah yeah <laughs> i unequivocally I'd do see, not I like was, andre i was rublev. very midway on andre rublev i was kind of like ah like i can see where it needs to go like i can mm. see what tarkovsky is trying to get me to get and i wanted to wait on that for a little bit come back to it when i'm kind of a little bit more i guess uh my tarkovsky palette is a bit more mm. well known um yep. and then come back at it but now that i've seen stalker i'm like yes i get it i get what you're trying to do now so this makes me very interested as to whether you like solaris or not because that's you only ever did two sci-fi films it was this and solaris and solaris is apparently the better of the two so Mm. um i've lost my train of thought all of a sudden would you recommend this film yeah (laughs) you 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 know you'll look um, if you're Look, an art, if, you're, if 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 you like art theater, you'll like it. If it's if it's something, so if art theater is hit or miss for you, I think this will be a miss. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep, yep, yep. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. And oh, that's what I was saying. I think in general, I'm having a lot of trouble with like big philosophical stuff, but also just in amongst the podcast, like, in amongst the films we're watching, there's just so much, like, artsy, big picture, metaphorical, philosophical, depressing, (laughs) nihilistic bullshit. And I, I just... I just need a little bit more mass appeal for the love of God. Uh, Jonathan's like, I'm sick of it! I don't want to think! I want to be a sheeple! Let me... Um, Let me just follow along with the herd. I don't want to be challenged... I mentioned this before when we we're talking about inside. I'm like, I think enough. I don't yeah. need to think yeah. more. All right, mm. Douglas, can we please get a for our spoiler siren? Yeah, L- ladies and gentlemen who are new to the podcast, we are heading into the spoiler zone. Can I get the most fast-paced, action-packed sci-fi sound effects little little package that you can possibly fit in a four-second slot? Four seconds is way too long. That's, well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That gives you a lot. Four that seconds me, is a l- Three seconds is too short. Five seconds is too long. Four seconds gives me a nice little bit of leeway on either end. So you know what? That's oh. perfect. That's perfect okay. for me. Um, you were listing off moments where you were. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm gonna loop back to the nihilism complaint later. Yes. The films. The zone sort of sells itself with a general spooky vibe and very mysterious locations and the only stuff that pushes past that is the bird that teleports in the sand dunes room yep the voice that warns the writer it was good i actually picked i had the teleporting bird first but i actually picked the voice which is a good one because it's the earlier one that's That's the earliest one yeah yeah yep and also there's, um, I think it's between the two, they're going through the sewers and stuff and the areas like loop back on themselves. Yeah, yeah. And that was like it. And and that's what I'm saying. I just need like... 
You needed some spooky, more. You were, some spooky what did you, lights. What did you want to be in the room? What were you expecting to be in the room? I think the room was fine. You're happy with kinda, how the room was handled? I actually kind of like the like for the room to be like the room has an aura despite yeah. not really having anything visually Those going on. Those little morgels of sand, a fucking oh, I love that. I love the design the, that's the, of the room. That's not even that's not the room, Douglas. That's just is it? Is it I thought not? the room was I thought the room was the spot that um because they're standing in that area and then there's another room off to the side. Oh, and they're like sorry. Into that yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, sorry. that's the other thing. The sand dune room, fucking potentially the coolest design. So cool. Like, there's no wonder everyone uses it as like the poster image for this film. Yeah, yeah. Such a, such a cool, cool design. Sick concept. It's not really anything. And I guess that's fine. Maybe that's like indicative of... My complaints with the design of the film as a whole is that it's just like here's a cool here's a cool June, and it's just a backdrop. It's just a backdrop. There's nothing going on in here, mm. uh, but stuff like the tunnel. I didn't feel the aura off the tunnel. the The room itself really got me because they because they're standing at this room and like at the precipice and like never really go in, and you get these shots from inside it and and all that stuff and there's like nature in there and things like yeah. that yeah I got that the tunnel I, it, he's just like walking down a tunnel and then they just like catch up to him and he walks and they catch up to him and it's like okay uh, I, I anyway anyway I I, I think I just like I, no one ever actually goes into it you know it's I think that's nice- fine I, I it's a I nice, think that's a like, really strong part of it. Yeah, you get so far into it. The professor is dead set on blowing the whole fucking thing to smithereenies. And then mm. um, the the writer comes on that realisation of what happened to the porcupine and his brother. Um, and yeah, it's this huge like philosophical unwrapping of like, I think I put myself in the shoes of like the writer and I was like, fuck, if, I, if there was a room that would allow my desires to be fulfilled would i uh what is it uh cross the breach um yeah and like i don't think i could i don't think i'd even want to know that you know like desires I wish really I think- hard for uh uh world peace and to remove inequality and i have it going on a loop in my head i'm like peace all right i mean quality, peace and equality peace and equality oh thank god and then kick over the door <laughs> um i think it's in a 21st century sense our desires change and flitter from day to day from month to month even um, for example yesterday i wanted italian and today i got some Mexican food <laughs> I'm really not giving you much to work with today. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Just, I mean, I'm just being an agent of chaos today. Hey, I'm, yeah, I'm, just I'm here ready that. to have a philosophical conversation, and John's out here talking about what it I is. am. So, I, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's fine. It's whatever. Um, I think one of my uh, a main gripe that I did have, which I'm sure you probably picked up on as well, was um, ADR. Yep, I got that. Kind of yep. shit. Um, really, ADR always pulls me out um, because I hate it when the live performance does it. Like, the live performance is the best performance in my mind. So, mm. and if you can't capture that raw live essence and keep that alive, 
what the fuck is the point? Like, yeah. it's, especially in, I guess, 1979 technology, it's it's much more obvious when it's ADR because, <laughs> like, the, the sound mixing is all one level. Like, there's no sense of distance or anything from the camera mm. and therefore the audience. Um, the sound design is uh, heaps of foley and stuff. And, again, it just feels... It feels artificial, which I think, yeah, mm. really kind of... That was pretty much the only thing that drew me out. Everything else I was pretty much here for, yeah. Um, when when there's ADR and I notice it, that's how you that's know it's That's how bad. you know it's fucked, yeah. That's, and, and the other thing, and this is very personal and probably not really relevant. Eh, it could have been good. There's too much ADR and... Uh, my there wasn't enough nature foley. I yeah. love nature foley, mm. and and I think they were supposed to be trying to do this very like very spooky, very dead the location. Zone is quiet. Thing. There's like there's not supposed to be like any wildlife or whatever there. Mm. But I want some Chernobyl shit. <laughs> like there's animals hanging out Chernobyl, Chernobyl having a great time until like seven years later, John. <laughs> After the film, oh, yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought it was between the film and the book. No. Nope. Still, he should have seen into the future. <laughs> they should have known Chernobyl was going to happen. I mean, yeah, we all should have known, really. Yeah. I, I, yeah. The the. What the, did you the, think of the um the rail car and the the sound design on that? I really found that to be kind of fruity. I wasn't thinking about it. The how there's that that sound of the rail car going. <laughs> And like, going oh, along, was but that... then it ties into like a little. There's like a little synth sound that like ties into like the I di- the second part of the rail car. I did notice that. I didn't realize it was supposed to be the rail car. It's that like, twing, like yeah. almost like someone hitting like a taut wire. Yeah, it's like a similar sound to like uh, a lot of the Star Wars sounds were like your laser yes. sounds, your lightsaber yeah. noises and stuff had were that, done the same way. It had that energy. Yeah, very rever- reverby almost like a twang noise but in a it's, way that's kind of it was such a good it's, it's a it's a great sound design way of uh emulating the the transition from normality into the zone i think for me that was what i got out of that was that like it gets more and more morphed and weird the the further the rail car progresses into the zone and then you get mm. that fucking snap change into color out of the sepia which i was damn like, it oh i was about to say it. i was gonna be cool and i was gonna say it Mwah. But that listen, was, uh, that was, yeah, uh, that was, that was out there. Yeah. That was really, really weird. Cause I was, I was uh, expecting it to be another Andre Rublev kind of a session where we have one color grading for, mm. uh, the whole shtick, but for it to snap to color, I was like, yeah, I'm here. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, my boy. Yeah. And then when they, they, when you come out of the zone, it goes back, back to the to, sepia, but yeah. then right at the end, it yeah. goes back into color. Color again. Did they? Did they have they gone to the zone? Douglas? Did they were they in the zone all along? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a stretch, but you know what? I'm I'm just I'm I'm, I'm pulling at strings and seeing what happens. You Douglas know? is Ridley Scotting this bitch. Exactly. Did you know Ridley Scott is directing um the House of Gucci film? I have no idea what the House of House You don't know House... about the House of Gucci film? That Gucci? That Gucci. Oh, wait, this is a film or is this, this is a, a fil- show? This is a film that is coming out directed by Ridley Scott, starring Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, and Jeremy oh, Irons. 
Is it not? Oh shit! This is about Gucci. It's about Gucci and like the the, the uh, Gucci rising up, rise up. I was about to say Hang some on. mean yeah. things, but the extension cord, the the phone charger cord. Douglas, cut this out. Oh. <coughs> Um, I have a perma cold. He's got a perma I have a winter perma cold. He's got the vid. No, he's got. Mm, he's got the vid. If only, if I had, if I had COVID, it'd be over at some point. This is for just you? this is me for the rest of my life. Uh, I was about to sling shit on House of Gucci because Gucci as a modern brand is one that I'm very not impressed with. This Wasn't there was that cool. Gucci um? Ah, uh, what was it? Fucking North Face or no? It was um. That's a bad start. Uh no, there was a there was a there was a, a crossing of brands oh. with Gucci and. Oh, I think it was the North. Was Face. Was it North Face? My partner is Where saying they... North Face. Sorry, when you said that, this is not. This fucking, is not at we're all. We're gonna have to extend. I'm so we're sorry. gonna have to fucking extend the. Po- there was a Gucci. So there, I was. My brain went to the Gucci, no, the Supreme North Face one, which was yeah, boring, which is, yeah, and I hate it. Hellish. The the, the Gucci North Face, North Face stuff one was, was actually cool. quite interesting, and yeah. they made a whole tent. Yeah, yeah. This looks kind of cool. This actually does look kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm really excited um, to see it. And the fact that it's directed by Ridley Scott makes my fucking blood boil. I'm really excited. That's yeah. That's bizarre. I just want an alien to come like sprouting out of Lady Gaga's chest, and then she's like, "I'm the queen of Gucci." <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the stalker. I let's let's. We've totally thrown it off the fucking wagon. <laughs> it's I'm off the to, it's off the rails. I I did think the cinematography was definitely interesting. I would say, interesting. yeah, really smart. I it was especially at the beginning very like. And then, the, like, the way the sets were dressed and stuff mm. was very minimalist, mm. which is not really something I've sort of experienced in films that much before, maybe with, like, Persona. Uh, Just and there's the also, like, s- inter- so much intention with all the the camera movement mm. and things like that. In terms of, like, cinematography and blocking your shots and your actors and everything, it's one thing to block a shot that's going to last for five seconds, ten seconds. It's another mm. thing to block a shot that's going to last and engage an audience, or perhaps not engage an audience for some people, um, <laughs> for four minutes to be able to do a shot and make it visually coherent and understandable for four minutes and uh, sustainable for four minutes is fucked. I can't even mm. think of that. There's so many shots where it's like, I'm like, this goes for like two and a half minutes. And like the camera start, it's the one where there, there's the machine gun inside of the, the like burnt down van or whatever. And there's yeah, all I the, really the like tanks that. and stuff out in the, in the grass. And then the camera like slow pans into the van, but then you're peeking through the window of the van to the, the tanks and stuff that are like behind it with the, and the actors go down. The, it fucks me. It's so cool. It's very spooky. I, I hate that little dude with his little machine gun, that little... He's perched in the... Little man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little mommy. <laughs> um, I was... Because this film was a 
fairly shoestring budget, right? It's one way to I find out, so. Jonathan. I think it was. I was wondering what the story is. Six million rubles. 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 I always forget that Russia works in rubles. I have no idea what... I don't think they do anymore, but um, I have no idea what that is in an equivalent currency. I wonder if it's uh, adjusted for inflation. Probably not. Probably not. I just wrote in six million rubles to USD and the first autocomplete is, uh, is a million rubles a lot? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Someone just emailed me and said that I want a a million rubles. (laughs) So with current inflation, it's 82 grand. Fuck. So not with, not with current inflation, the current, um, um, currency and current. How far back does this go? How how do I see further back? One okay, max. Uh, anyway, anyway, I believe the budget was not that much. It yes. was definitely not enough for them to be. I could definitely say that, uh, given the production hell that this film went through, that it's probably. I mean. Wrapping it short, they basically made the film three times. So, jeez, mm, okay. Um, yeah, I'll give, so I'll I, give you like, more on that in trivia. But they've got all these tanks hanging around and these fun uh, destroyed locations and things like that. Like they had to have been leaning, from my understanding of how much money they had, they had to have been leaning on existing locations very fucking heavily. Like. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the only location that was actually constructed was the checkpoint where the where the train comes in. It's everything else, or rather everything else could have already been somewhere. They were just like warehouses and houses and, yeah, filled full of tanks and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. It was... It, 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 in which case, I do have to give them props for... I've I've said many times I'm a big fan of nature shots and that kind of falls under the same banner of finding some cool shit out there, taking a really nice video of it. I think um, where Stalker really succeeds for me is the the show don't tell uh, thought. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In that, uh, as you said, I got a counterpoint are, to this, but continue. No, 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 no. There's the not a counterpoint, but sorry. Yeah, there's the as you were saying, there are those moments like where the writer gets told to stop, but neither the professor nor the stalker tell him to stop, and you know, there's the bit mm. with the bird and all that. Those are shown, right? Like those moments are like woo for like the audience. Mm. Um, but then there are moments where so much of it is actually built in your own head, and Tarkovsky allows the audience to generate the the suspense and the the notion of what is actually in the zone there's this there's a scene i can't remember where it is but it's where the stalk uh the um the rider is looking off at something and he looks fucking petrified he looks like he's Mm. like seeing like his mother dying in front of him or something and the camera is like panning over to it and then right when it's like about to get to whatever it is it just goes and fucks off and then it doesn't it doesn't actually show you what it is and like Mm. 
it's an inverse jump scare. Like it, it doesn't actually give you the ooh shock horror. Like it's just like fuck off. You you come up with yourself, you dickhead. I love that because <laughs> it leaves it gives so much more agency to an audience and to let mm. them develop their own uh, fears and and put their own fears into that moment because. Like you could show them, fucking the writer's mother dying horrifically in on camera, but it doesn't have the same punch where an audience is going to put their own inflections into what is going to be there. Um, mm. It's fucking sick. I love that. Yeah, talking about sorry, show don't tell. Go ahead. No, it wasn't really a counterpoint. Oh, or whatever. Okay. I I um, <sighs> Can't I didn't like. I didn't like like the visual metaphor stuff. There's a lot of it with things like there's syringes everywhere, the same syringes everywhere. There's the one where the dude puts the little crown of thorns on his uh, head. Mm, the writer uh, puts a crown of thorns. By the way, uh, the writer played Andre Rublev. Ah, so. it was uh, look, all these balding Russian dudes look the same to me. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Sorry, Andre Rublev. Um, apparently this uh, yeah, this actor was uh, his right hand man. Really? Um yeah. he appeared in uh Solaris, um I think Mirror, yep. Uh the Mirror. Yeah, he's fucking he's been like everything that uh Tarkovsky did. Hmm. Uh and the other like it's it's like pretty obvious the, the whole romance versus logic thing with the professor and the writer is is which it's fine. It's fine. The more I think about this, the more I feel like you. I sort of have to give props in a way to... This is clearly just a dude who's got a lot of thoughts and he, this is a way that he sort of explores them and kind of puts them out in the world. Yeah. So, fine. Fine. <laughs> but you don't fine. feel good about it. No. God, no. <laughs> I don't feel good about it. It's... Like I said, with the nihilism thing, I, I, I feel like I'm going to keep bringing this up with the podcast. Is like, I think about this enough and I don't need someone to explain to me. But there's probably audiences where that is something that'll actually really get their heads going and they'll start to think about things in a different way. So good for them. Yeah. I guess. If, that's, if that's something that you find valuable, then I don't want to... I don't want to... This is a point of cinema, Jonathan. Everyone has their own thing that floats their own boat. Uh, so Yeah, but some people are wrong, okay? <laughs> Anyway, Some people have opinions I, that aren't mine, so therefore they're wrong. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, you're you're I, really I picking understand. it up, Douglas. Yeah, it only took you 69, uh, 69 episodes. Hey, we, yeah, we completely mixed it. We missed that. We didn't make a fucking point on it. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, I not, think... it's not 69, really, because we've done the bonuses. But well, in terms of so. uh, 250 official films, it's, it's 69. Mm. I think to really sum up my thoughts on this film, I'm going to... Go back. I have a note, maybe two thirds of the way through my notes. Top of the page, top of the third page. Am I fucking stupid? <laughs> because Why? we started just... getting into the big philosophical bit, and I was like, I don't get it. Okay, but wait, and did you I have this same care. feeling in Persona? Uh, mm, I was confused in Persona, but that's not what I'm saying okay a different no. a different kind of 
I also found Persona a little boring, but not, and kind but of... not as much because Persona has more focus to it. It's sure. still like weird and nebulous, but there's sort of just one point, right? And and this is a bunch of philosophical stuff all sort of smooshed together in a way. You'll be- anyway, this film made this film made me feel very fucking stupid for not. I'm like, there's something to get here, and I'm not getting it. Am I fucking stupid, Douglas? No, you're not stupid. Oh, thank you. Um, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why, uh, with the the gift of the 21st century, is that we can watch something and go, wow, I didn't get that. And then we could go look at other people who did get it and we can watch them and go, oh, okay. I see how you got it, so now I get it. The gift of the 21st century is feeling bad about everything all the time, uh, <laughs> which really adds a different kind of perspective it's a different, to your film. Watching. different palette, a different taste. Little, to, mm, mm, mm. Tastes, like, tastes, like, tastes like whole peppercorn and you just chew it between your teeth. Mm, I don't know. Jojo Siwa. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Uh, also... Uh, the bit where the writer says everyone calls me writer and he says that he writes about the readers I was like this is like the protagonist in Tenet yeah like the same exact feeling to me I'm like I'm like interesting (laughs) also shut up (laughs) (laughs) also go fuck yourself Andre Anyway, that's all I that's all I got. <laughs> would you if Andre okay, hear me out. If Andre was still alive today, do you think you would go and watch his films? He would be eighty seven, I think, by now. Something like that. He'd probably okay, still be making this, films. When did this cunt die? Uh nineteen eighty something. Um he basically died because of this film. Which I will go in I have a lot of trivia for this film, so that's a- that's a bummer. Um, if you cut them down to two hours, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just, just cut a little bit off the tail end, mate. Come on. Uh, like a, you like don't a... need a four and a half minute long shot of two guys sitting on a motorized rail car. You don't f- need it, Tarkovsky. A philosophical bloviating. <laughs> pretentious film is much more palatable when it's an hour and a half as opposed to <laughs> two hours and 40 minutes right uh, like at the very least you're like this is what I'm i saying. didn't get it like tarkovsky doesn't do himself any favors by making his cinematography style so long and arduous you know and mm. like that's where i feel i'm surprised that this film is as high as it is because i feel like he would have lost so many fucking people by filming the film the way he does wasn't the I think the original critical reception of this film was fucking abysmal. Yes, it was. I think yeah, yeah. When Critics it first came out, it. people hated it. And the and the crazy thing is, uh, I, I checked it on Rotten Tomatoes. Not only does this film have a hundred percent critic rating, it has a ninety-seven percent from audience casual like audience watches, and it's like twenty-five thousand reviews, and it's at ninety-seven percent. That's insane to me. You're in the three percent, dude. Oh man! And you know what else? <laughs> I am ripped. I, I'm just not only am I a free thinker, I'm sexy as Hell fuck. Hell yeah, dude! Good for you. I'm proud of mm. you. Um, 
Well, would you like me to get into some more trivial pursuits, Jonathan? Do you have a closing thought, Douglas? Or do we want to go can, straight We can, we can into... do closing thoughts after trivia. Okay. Of course. Um, do, we, do we want to go straight into classic knowledge-based board game from <laughs> the 1980s? Trivial pursuit. Trivial pursuit. I'm in the pursuit of trivia, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Like I might as well just end the fucking podcast. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I can give it. I can give it. You know, it's, it's no. It's sure. genuinely interesting. It's no, genuinely I do. I actually interesting. do want it. I actually do want to hear trivia there's about this. Very, there's some very, very because it's not to do with the, like the, the 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 story of the film or anything. So it's it's, it's meta information exactly. about the film, which is it's more so. Um, this film gives me very much it happened one night vibes, where like all of the energy is against making the film. But mm. these directors fucking just push through and they're like, no, we're doing it, you dickheads. <laughs> um, outside of uh, that set of trivia, though, um, I've got some other tidbits, including um, uh, the zone of the film was inspired by a nuclear accident that took place near Chelyabinsk, uh, Chelya, Chelyabinsk. In 1957, several hundred uh. square kilometers were polluted by fallout and abandoned. There was no official mention of this forbidden zone at the time. In- Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Freaky. I don't know how Tarkovsky caught around onto it, but there you go. Oh, well. Uh, it is said that the rushes of the first version of the film were kept by editor Leod Miller, Fagadova in her home for years, but they were destroyed by a fire that also claimed her life. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer for everybody involved. <laughs> big, big bummer. <laughs> big, big bummer. <laughs> uh, to allow changes to the colour tone of a long strip of film over an extended take, Andre Tarkovsky built a long film processing vat, which had different temperatures along the way. What, uh, what sections does the colour change in? Perhaps there was a cut of the film where the change from the zone to sepia was gradual. Slower, maybe. Maybe. It might have happened in some of those long cuts and we just didn't notice it. Maybe. It very... mm. Mm. I got very used to the colour and then I the, I was like, oh, we're in sepia now. <laughs> um, Tarkovsky wanted to abandon further work on the film multiple times, which will <laughs> be elaborated on. Um in the film, a stalker is a professional guide to the zone, someone having the ability and desire to cross the border into a dangerous and forbidden place with a specific goal. In recent years, guides who illegally take tourists into the real-life Chernobyl exclusion zone have taken to calling themselves stalkers. Mm. As well as um, just your kind of general urban explorers, I gather. Yes. Also do that. Mm. Which is cool. That's cool as fuck. Mm. Fuck yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. <laughs> fuck Hell yeah. fuck yeah. Hell fuck yeah. <laughs> I would not be going into the Chernobyl exclusions. Stake <laughs> no on matter how cool it was. Yeah, no, I think I'd, I give Chernobyl a bit of a miss. There I, are some things on this earth that I want to see, and Chernobyl is not one of them. I don't know if... Uh, I don't even know if we're recording, but we're talking about the demon core before this, which was uh, a plutonium core that was going to be in a nuclear weapon, and it um, that shit's spooky as fuck. Yeah. That's, at, like, radiation. Bad Don't time. fuck with it. Don't fuck with it. It's not good for you. Why do why do humans just have to fuck with everything? Why do we find mm. something and we're like, oh, how far can we do it? <laughs> <laughs> how close can I, can I get to dying without dying? 
um okay so now we'll start we'll start delving into the the production side of things so hit me with it uh the film was initially shot on kodak 5247 stock uh which is the same stock that was used for alien the shining star wars episode 4 and blade runner um uh, to name a couple um but it was relatively new to Soviet laboratories of the time, and some of the original negatives were destroyed by a processing error at the laboratory, which rendered a Oof. lot of the shots this weird, dark green kind of a colour, um, mm. which ruined the film, you know, because the whole film had a very specific colouring and lighting and grading that Tarkovsky, and he's a fucking perfectionist anyway, he wanted it one way, and then when he got the the rushes back and they're all fucking dark green, you can bet it was pretty irate. Um <laughs> So part of the film had to be shot again with a new cinematographer, and this contributed to the film's two-part narrative structure. Um, but then allegedly, the new sh- newly shot footage strayed further away from the source novel and had a different look. Asked about this, uh, Tarkovsky said, quote, No mother gives birth to the same child twice. Interesting. Unless you're having he was, twins. He was just um, he was just feeling a bit different that day. <laughs> yeah, he just came out of the... Bing bong, different punch. Uh, Skippity boppity. Bibbity bobbity. Um, so then, yeah, delving a little bit more into that side of things. Uh, yeah, the Kodak 5247 got fucked at the Soviet laboratories. Um, even before all of that shit went down, though, relations on set were a bit fucking tricky. Um, the first cinematographer called Georgie Rehrberg uh, uh, and Tarkovsky's relationship had swiftly deteriorated uh, over the course of the shooting of the first version of Stalker. Um, and due to, like, creative differences and Tarkovsky's wife wanted to play the Stalker's wife. The, her name was Larissa, I believe. Um, and Roberg asked Tarkovsky if he wanted Larissa or an actual actress to play the part. Um, and then Tarkovsky was like, oh, okay, let's get uh, Alyssa, who was the stalker's wife who we see in the film mm. and larissa got absolutely fucking irate at uh Roberg because of the fact that she got jibbed by this other lady and that Roberg leaned over to tarkovsky and was like hey fucking you really want your wife to come and play this fucking role like you want to get, want to get a professional who was, the, here? who was the this happened before there was a director who used his wife as an actor in and they had like a limited set of films who was that was that it in um, Mrs. Smith Goes to Washington? Is that what's in it? I think so. No, I don't think so. I think it was something sort of small and artsy as well. And it was someone with a pretty small mm. pretty small filmography. Older film? Anyway. Yeah, I, th- I feel like it. Mm. I feel like some, maybe something that wasn't English. Probably. Yeah, it might have been a, um, a world cinema. Anyway, um, good luck finding your spot in that... Uh, so yeah, uh, given everything Talk that happened it. between Roberg and Tarkovsky and uh, then when the poorly developed footage came back, Tarkovsky pretty much fired Roberg like right away. He was just like, you fucked it. Sorry. Mm. Get the fuck out. Um, mm. So Tarkovsky had shot all the outdoor scenes. So everything that like all of the like these really grimy, shitty circumstances that he had to put the crew and the cast through had to mm. get rid of it all. It was all worth nothing. So, imagine that for a little bit. 
<laughs> the fact that you just went out and shot hours upon hours of footage and then especially as an actor for the director to come back and go the cinematographer fucked it lab lab fucked it we gotta do it again hmm. i would want to neck myself dude um <laughs> The uh, the producer uh, contends that Tarkovsky was so despondent that he wanted to abandon further work on the film. He was just like, fuck it, I'm, I'm done with it. Um, the Soviet film boards wanted to shut the film down completely. Um, but Tarkovsky being Tarkovsky, he came up with a solution uh, to make a two-part film, which meant additional deadlines and more funds. Uh, Tarkovsky ended up reshooting almost all of the film with the new cinematographer, Alexander... Alexander. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> and then, according to the producer, the finished version of Stalker is completely different from the one Tarkovsky originally shot, um, oh, as previously stated. There's a documentary called uh, Roberg and Tarkovsky, The Reverse Side of Stalker by Igor May Baroda, uh, which offers a different interpretation of the relationship between Roberg and Tarkovsky. Roberg felt that Tarkovsky was not ready for the script. He told Tarkovsky to rewrite the script in order to achieve a good result, Tarkovsky ignored him and continued shooting. After several arguments, Tarkovsky sent Roberg home. Ultimately, Tarkovsky shot Stalker three times, consuming over 16,000 feet of film. Oh my goodness, that is a lot of bloody film. <sighs> People who have seen the first version shot by Roberg and the final theatrical release said that they are almost identical. So it's kind of a he said, she said sort of a deal, really. Um, Interesting. This is, maybe this is just Tarkovsky being like, they're completely they're different. They're so different, oh. my boy. You wouldn't dare understand, you mm. simpleton. <laughs> um, you peasants. <laughs> you cur. Uh, Tarkovsky sent home other crew members in addition to Roberg, excluding them from the credits as well. Oof. oof, oof Didn't oof, even oof. get a credit. What if they got paid? Probably not. Oh, if they need more funds, they probably were getting paid. Oh, I guess so, actually, yeah. Mm. Mm. probably on like a day-by-day basis timesheet yeah. sort of a deal um the central part of the film in which the characters travel within the zone was shot in a few days at two deserted hydropower plants on the jugala river near tal uh Tallinn, uh estonia the shop before they enter the zone is an old flora chemical factory in the center of Tallinn, next to the old rotterman salt storage now the museum of estonian architecture Cool place, yeah. by the sound of it. They cl- they cleaned it up. Yeah, nice. gave it a little bit of a dust around the edges, and then boom, you got a, a little, you got a museum. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. That, that's all I need. It just needed a good sweep. Guy to come in with a broom and whoop, and then way. Yeah, and someone with a large pipe to get rid of that massive lake in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking huge lake in the middle of the fucking museum. Uh, at the former Tallinn power plant and the now Tallinn Creative Hub, where a memorial play to the film was set up in two thousand and eight. Uh, some shots within the zone were filmed in Mardu next to the Iru power plant, while the shot with the gates to the zone was filmed in Lasname next to Punain Street behind the Idakeskus. Idakes. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you. I said this so mob, many mate. words just then, and I'm not even sure if like a oh, syllable yeah. of that was pronounced correctly. The Russian but... mob is coming for us yep, right now. Yep. The... Well, for you, I need to shit. I can hear them dialing the hitman as we speak. Um. <laughs> Uh, several people involved in the film production, including Tarkovsky, died from causes that some crew members attributed to the film's long shooting schedule in toxic locations. Uh, the sound designer Vladimir recalled, quote, We were shooting near Tallinn in the area around the small river Yagala with a half-functioning hydroelectric station. 
up the river was a chemical plant and it poured out poisonous liquids downstream. There's even this shot in Stalker where snow is falling in the summer and white foam floating down the river. In fact, it was some horrible poison that was like a mixture of, I think it's like paper offcuts and like mulch and shit. Ah. Uh, continuing on the quote, many women in our crew got allergic reactions on their faces. Tarkovsky died from cancer on the right bronchial tube. And Tolia Solinitsyn, too, who was the guy who played the writer, I do believe. Oh, Anatoly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anatoly. Who played, yeah, the writer. That it was, uh, everyone believes that it was all connected to the location shooting for Stalker, became, and it became clear to me when Larissa died from the same illness in Paris. Uh, okay. Larissa being yeah. um, Tarkovsky's wife. Um, so, yeah. A bit what fucking a hellish, really. Not only a bright, uplifting film, but a bright, uplifting story behind it. I'm so glad <laughs> that everyone came out, you know, better people than they started. Um, everyone lived happily ever after. They had, you know, generations of children, uh, <laughs> retired at a nice farm, surrounded by animals and nature, and the beauty of the world, and not uh, cancer from Died toxic from chemicals a, from a film uh, that he just really wanted to make. Worst film production. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, um, uh, Kubrick, Ingmar Bergman, and Tarkovsky were all butting heads um, around the like the sixties and eighties. Um, mm. They were all kind oh. of like challenging each other with like their cinema and everything, because um, Kubrick did a space odyssey. Um, yep. And then Tarkovsky did Solaris as a direct answer to Space Odyssey. Uh, um, okay. And there's there's a whole bunch of film heads who have done comparisons of the directorial styles between the two. Um, and uh, then the same uh, state committee for cinematography that I was talking about before who were uh, blazing at Tarkovsky for uh, arguing the film should be more dynamic and a little bit faster a little bit a uh, little bit more a little bit more pep a little bit more pace um those same representatives uh stated that he was trying to give the point of view of the audience um but uh tarkovsky retorted allegedly quote i'm only interested in the views of two people one is called bresson and one is called bergman um bresson is uh robert bresson who is a french director um and very prominent in uh being one of the highly regarded filmmakers of all time for France. Um, Jean-Luc Godard said he's the French cinema as Mozart is German music. So, Damn. Um, I'll be very surprised if we don't have any of Bresson's films in the mm. 250, because I bet there is. Um, but, uh, fuck, have I got anything else? Um, oh, he had something to say about Terminator, Tarkovsky was like Terminator came out pretty much right before he died. Um, mm. Tarkovsky managed to get to see it, and he said, quote, the brutality and low acting skills are unfortunate, but <laughs> as a vision of the future and the relation between man and his destiny, the film is pushing the frontier of cinema as an art. Oh. End quote. It was, it, it was too much fun. Shut up. <laughs> too much fun for him. Schwarzenegger, put a lid on it. There is, I stand by, there is a legitimate 
mass appeal is a good thing. It obviously does not drive the quality of a film, but if lots of people like a film, if you've done that without any cheap tricks, that's a fucking good thing. That's a good thing. If it, or rather, not not do people like it, but is the film fun? You know, this is a uh, uh, Knives Out. Yeah, that is gripping and entertaining. It's, fun. it's a fun night out. Knives Out. It's great. Uh, so anyway, anyway, whatever. Uh, apparently, Alex Garland um, said that uh, his story. Uh, he quoted on Twitter saying that his. It is a hundred percent not a tribute to Picnic or Stalker. Uh, so, because it was um, story. it was based on um, uh, oh Annihilation, yeah, by Jeff Vandermeer. So, yeah, yeah, I think it, I think if anything, probably Jeff Vandermeer might have been a little bit inspired by Stalker. If, perhaps if you More know roadside. if you know about it, you probably can't help but get get a little bit, by it yeah, degree, yeah. yeah. It's a very cool. Because I remember seeing, um, I remember reading uh, for the trivia of that episode that Garland didn't read the novel. I think he, I think he just went in with like because he wanted the whole thing to be kind of dreamy and ethereal. Yeah, Um, yeah. So he just like went in with the idea, and then just whatever happened happened, which is a really good way to Mm. make a film, honestly. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're going for that kind of a, excuse me, if you're going for that kind of a vibe, fucking send it. Love these fucking send it. Love the work. Um, Hell yeah. Any other tidbits? Um, co-creator of Westworld, Jonathan Nolan, said that Stalker was an influence, which I can see. I can definitely see that. Um, yeah. Having watched Westworld. Uh, the Metro Exodus video game includes locations reconstructed from the movie. Ah, that's cool. Kind of sick. I should play the Metro Exodus game. So they seem kind of cool. Mm. The whole video game series is partially influenced by Roadside Picnic. So yep. there you go. Um, and the stalker video games obviously yes yep naturally as previously <laughs> discussed uh the prodigy's music video breathe is heavily influenced by films visual and cinematography style gotta love the prodigy gotta love the prodigy and in atomic blonde uh the protagonist lorraine goes into an east berlin theater that is showing stalker ah cute nice little mm. homage <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Uh, but fuck, I just well, I just love how incredibly fucked the whole filming process was for this thing. Like, he couldn't get the right cinematographer. They're all dying from the fucking toxic chemicals <laughs> that they're trying to make this fucking film work in. Everything was against this film happening. Everything. The man practically died because he made this film. Mm. As well as fucking Anatoly. He died because he... Man. Well, it's good that people enjoyed it. Russians if, even are if I didn't, Even if I didn't, it's good that people enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I and if you it. enjoyed this episode of the 250 podcast... Which, God, I hope you did, because who knows what I'm going to do myself after the episode if you didn't. Then <laughs> <laughs> that's a threat from Douglas right now. Uh, we put out new episodes every Tuesday midnight Australian time, which comes out to uh, Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. Uh, you can contact us directly at mail at 250.com or check out our Instagram 
at 250pod, T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D. We go over uh, the films that just come up. Uh, we give a little, 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 little taster for the next three films. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's social media. It's social media, and you all know how that works. Uh-huh. Douglas, where can people go if they want to check out the full list <laughs> of movies? I'm going to leave that pause in. Uh, you can catch the full list, which is the snapshot of movie of the IMDb's top 250 films of all time list that we did back in January of 2020. If you open your favorite web browser and type in list.250.com, that's L-I-S-T dot T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H dot com. And you've got a nice little color-coded genre list of all the films. And you can see what's coming up. And you can see if your I'm, favorite film is on there. Probably is thinking it. about writing... Um writing a website to actually put on there instead of using a spreadsheet is probably a, be a bit more slick probably hmm. uh keep an eye out for me to forget about mentioning that <laughs> and never do it uh douglas and i both use letterboxd which is a movie tracking and reviewing website we're wonderful fans of my account is upa that is u-u-u-p-a-h and douglas mine is i-e-n-z-o-k-n-i-g-h-t that's Enzo knight whack in either upa Enzo knight or 250 into the letterbox search engine and you will find us our profiles consist of uh all of the films that we watch here for the 250 we discuss them in or we write about them uh in a written format of a review and give them a a little star uh, uh, rating and we also document all the other films that we watch in our spare time uh, I watched Rushmore uh, Wes Anderson's mm. Rushmore which you are gonna fucking love you would okay, adore good. Rushmore because um, that I has also been on my list for a while. I've just kind of never got around to watching it's, it. It's it's such a I was it was nothing like what I was expecting. I will say that. Like I went in, okay. I don't quite know what I went in with, but I came out with something that I definitely wasn't anticipating. Um, Fuck yeah, which I was very here for. Um, yeah, Rushmore was a great time. Bill Murray gives his best um, uh, laughing on the outside, crying on the inside kind of performance, which I think is where Bill Murray really thrives as an actor. He does that mm. kind of a character really, really well. Um, the clown that's crying on the inside energy. Yeah. Um, that's you, Douglas. That's me. Clown. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> um, at a laugh track. Um, and then I watched uh, Baby Driver. My, my partner watched uh, Baby Driver with me for the for the first time, and she hated it. So. Um, <laughs> Oh, I've got such mixed feelings about Baby Driver. <laughs> Me too. To Me too. Edgar Wright's other work. Yeah. It's a shame, but it is something interesting. There's so, so many really get... smart things that happen in that film, mm. and I'm like, I'm like, wow, that's fucking sick. But then there are so many like character choices and stuff where I'm like, oh mm. man, and then like pacing uh, as well. I'm sometimes like, oh right, where are we going here? What are we doing, baby? So many actors who were sex pests. Yeah, yeah. That one, you, you've talked about it, the the Baby Driver poster, but it's all the people who haven't had sexual allegations pressed against them. And uh, all it is is the, it's the, is girls. the female co-star. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fuck. I man. watched, I rewatched The Emperor's New Groove. I haven't watched that film in probably 15 years. Wow. When did it come out? Oh, it was probably a little more than that. It only came out. No, 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 yeah, probably probably 15 years. That film is pretty good. It it, it feels very much like a TV special because it's very short. And 
as someone who watched the entirety of the follow on TV show, it's a little hard to look away from it. The other takeaway I have is that the one, the, the, the number one quote, like there's a lot of quotes that come out of that that become memes and stuff, but the number one is always the the poison for Cusco, like extended line that Kronk says, like Cusco's poison, that one. Oh, really? I always thought it was the, oh yeah, it's all coming together. That's a good one. I, <laughs> That's my I've, favorite. Anyway, one. I've seen lots of memes about the uh, the uh, the. He's basically just saying the po- the poison for Cusco yeah, in like yeah. long fucking. That is potentially the least funny joke in the film. It is. It's yeah. oh yeah, it's all coming together. Is like actually it's played. Huge. Anyway, his delivery is so fucking good. <laughs> it's 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 John Goodman. It's Patrick Warburton. Again, it's uh, so is, weird to hear John Goodman not swearing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was really weird because I, I hadn't even really thought Shut about the, the fact that it was Donnie. John Goodman. <laughs> and yeah, we just come from. Lebowski. Anyway, um, so that that film's that film's not too bad. Yeah, yeah that's pretty yeah. good. I, um, it's good to give David Spade one, one, you know. Oh, David! And the other one I watched was um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is oh. what it's technically. Um, it's it's. Oh, this is unnecessary. The video game. It's based on the video game Yakuza. Uh, which in um, in Japan is called Like a Dragon because in Japan you could not get away with calling a game Yakuza because the Yakuza are not very nice people. It's called Like a Dragon. Uh, and it was not very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were some fun bits in it, but anyway. It's, it's kind of neither here nor there. It had the same problem as... Uh, the same meandering, unfocused problem that Stalker does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, except it's harder to take seriously somehow. <laughs> so watch the new groove. Don't bother with uh, like a dragon. It's the, there's like super cuts of like, here's like the four minutes of all the really good shots of uh, Kiryu and um, Majima, like fucking facing off and doing dumb shit together. Perfect. That's all you need to watch. The rest of the film, not worth not it. Not worth it's it. Not even like silly fun. It's just, it's just paced. So you know what my huge takeaway from Emperor's New Groove is? What, Douglas? How much I miss Eartha Kit. She was phenomenal that- as Yzma. Like, she... Yeah. Uh, the fucking... What else the, is- the bit, the bit after they turn Cusco into a llama, and then and then she's like, um, finish the job, and then Cus- and then uh, Krog's like, what about Ditto? And then, like... <laughs> And then she's like, Kronk, it's important. And then he's like, what about dessert? Like, oh, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I suppose it's There's like, and coffee? And then it's like, oh, all right, a quick cup of coffee. Then take you out. <laughs> I do like, I do like her a lot. killed me as a kid. I do like her a lot. She's so like, ah, oh, just her delivery. Her and Kronk have like the most mm. pitch perfect delivery in that entire film. They are Kronk is one of the best animated oh. characters of all time it's, just, it's so he patrick is, warburton he is iconic uh, he's iconic yeah uh, yeah yeah it's i oh. it's it's amazing how patrick warburton sculpted what could very easily have been a very shitty nothing character and turned him into something so huge um mm, mm. yeah oh he meant the cronk cronk and also his character in the b movie <laughs> basically the same yeah. dude and the i think uh the other bit that got me as a kid was the map gag not the the one where he pulls down he's uh oh, yeah, Cusco yeah. doing like the i'm the important one not him that bit's whatever the bit where um uh Cusco's like how did you get here before us and then and then she's like how did we get here Krog? and then Krog pulls down the map and like shows them like 
It, got it's like, me. it really doesn't make any it doesn't sense. It doesn't make any sense, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, well, back to business. <laughs> uh, it's great. I love it. I love that film. Good. It's it's a good mm. nostalgia energy, Emperor's New Groove, for me. Mm. Mm. Probably rose-colored rose glasses, but... Yeah, I gave it a, I gave it a three and a half. Yeah, um, yep. And I've, I've mentioned this before. That's fair. Maybe not on the podcast. I had a co-worker describe... Was it Mortal Kombat or was it something else? It was another recent film that was like critically panned. He said, it's a really good movie. You just got to walk in and switch your brain off and just enjoy it. And I'm like, you can do that. With any with film. any film. <laughs> that's the wonderful thing about film. And that's, I entirely, I entirely respect that. If you want to go into... And, and, and I do it constantly. That's why I hated this movie. If I want to... You can just go in and watch a film and have a good time. If you just let if you just the dumb colours and the jokes... And you don't... That, that's the problem with this fucking podcast. If we turn ourselves into critics uh, who cannot have fucking fun exactly, ever. Yeah. I was sitting here critiquing The Emperor's New Groove. A film with fucking Patrick Warburton. In. You should not <laughs> critique anything with, like fucking hell. Uh, and and this is and you know being a I film think critic is so, tough, John. I'm glad you're finally realizing it. Don't don't give us too much credit. <laughs> uh, I it, it's it's three and a half. Uh, there's m- more flub jokes than I remember, and it sort of feels a bit weird. But I had a good time watching it. Two so, Michelin so, stars. I'm not gonna. No, that's a one Michelin star. Oh. Yeah, fair enough. Which is still good. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's not, watchable. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's yeah. acceptable. Um, Zero Michelin stars was also also an option. Remember mm. in the and I think I would give Stalker a one for its fun cinematography in some places and fun sets in some places and the fun little bit of trivia that it killed everybody. <laughs> That's the ultimate comeuppance for you. Isn't it's a it? real like, three-course meal, fuck, Douglas. Thank fuck this cunt died for making this. <laughs> that is not what I meant, but that is hilarious. <laughs> that, we're out of here. Thank you for watching this. Uh, fuck off. We'll oh, see you. Douglas. What? Ugh, the Suicide Squad just released. I'm so what? fucking excited. Where? Uh, we're going to go watch Suicide Squad now. Bye. Yeah. Oh, I want to see John Cena. He looks like he's having so much fun. <laughs> All right. See you guys. <laughs>